Hi, thank you for being here today. For the first time in history, enlightenment is available to all of us. I believe so many folks today are ready to experience enlightenment. I also believe that folks would like to experience more good and less bad along the way to enlightenment. If that describes you, well then, welcome to the Kate T. Benson podcast, where I, your host, Kate T. Benson, provide straightforward, actionable information about achieving enlightenment and experiencing more whole lot less bad along the way to enlightenment. The focus of this podcast in general is self-improvement actions for experiencing enlightenment and experiencing a whole lot more good and a whole lot less bad along the way. And the focus of today's episode is how to make self-improvement or more good and less bad along the way to enlightenment a breeze. And it turns out that the way to do that is by creating space between us and our ego-based sense of self. And that space naturally begins to develop our relationship with a part of us called the Yehida self. And the Yehida self is the ultimate in self-improvement. So both the ego and the Yehida self are a part of our identity. So first today, we'll need a little background on identity. In the first episode, I mentioned that I did my master's at A&M focused on identity and that out of the hundreds of thousands of pages I've read on the nature of identity, the best way I've come up with to summarize it is that your identity is all the answers you can come up with to the Cheshire Cat's question to Alice in Alice in Wonderland. Remember that? The Cheshire Cat asks Alice, who are you? And I suggested that grown-up Alice might say, oh, who are we? Well, we're a partnered mother, researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. The takeaway being that all of those things, being a partner, a mother, a researcher, a part-time firefighter, and a stamp collector, are all a part of Alice's identity. That each one is a part of Alice's sense of self, or what it means to Alice, to be Alice. I also gave a little background on the first episode on some ways of thinking about identity from psychology, business, and spirituality. So from psychology, your identity, according to William James, who was a true founder of psychology, your identity is made up of the I and the me. And a super simple one-sentence summary of identity, according to James, is that identity is the collection of stories we tell ourselves about who we are. And then I talked about Eric Erickson, a more modern founder in psychology, who thought that identity is the result of a developmental process and that we try on social roles until we find a sense of identity that's perfectly fitted for us. And social roles are Alice's list of being a partnered mother, researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. And so a super simple one-sentence summary of identity, according to Erickson, 
is basically that your identity is all the answers you can come up with to the Cheshire Cat's question, who are you? And then I mentioned personal brand, which is a way of thinking about identity from outside of psychology and more modern. And I said that personal brand is not so much the social roles you fill, like being a researcher or a stamp collector, but the personal style you bring when filling those roles. Perhaps you value being kind. And so being kind would be a part of the personal style that you would bring when filling the social role of being a partner or a researcher or a stamp collector. And in the fourth episode, I introduced some background on the ego, which is another way of thinking about identity. But the way I'm describing it is more so the descriptions used when folks are talking about ego in the spiritual landscape as opposed to psychology. Where in psychology, if you mention ego, you're generally talking about Freud and the superego and the id and stuff like that. But for our purposes here, when I say the ego, I'm referring to the personal I or the story that you tell yourself and others about who you are. Meaning when you say, I am this or I am that, like I'm a doctor or I'm a lawyer, that's your ego. The ego is the part of you that comes up with that story. And so that's a little background on the ways to think about identity from psychology, business, and spirituality, or a little bit about the ego. And that is all the background that we need for today on identity. But we also need some background about reframing identity. And the focus of the second and third episodes was on reframing identity. And specifically, how reframing our identity means one thing if our end goal is enlightenment, and it means something else if our end goal is experiencing more good and less bad along the way to enlightenment. If you're curious about reaching enlightenment, definitely check out the third episode. But today we're going to talk more about the second episode, which was focused on reframing our identity to experience more good and less bad along the way to enlightenment. Okay, so reframing our identity to experience more good and less bad along the way to enlightenment. In a nutshell, you ready? It just means changing our answers to the Cheshire Cat's question. So the Cheshire Cat asks Alice, who are you? And we imagine that grown-up Alice answers, describing themselves in terms of a bunch of social roles. I'm a partnered mother, researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. So on the surface, reframing Alice's identity would simply mean changing one or more of the answers that Alice gave to the Cheshire Cat. So in the second episode, I gave the example where Maybe Alice decides that Alice doesn't want to be a firefighter anymore. Or maybe Alice decides that Alice wants to fight a different kind of fire than the ones that Alice has been fighting. Alice has been fighting city fires, and now Alice wants to fight forest fires. If that's the case, then Alice has to do the work of figuring out how to fight forest fires. And Alice has to do this work because Alice knows, in the end that forest fires are the ones that Alice really wants to fight. If we press Alice about why they haven't tried to fight forest fires before, they might say that a lot of people want to fight those kinds of fires, that it's really competitive, and that deep down they've been a little afraid that maybe they're not good enough 
So on the surface, reframing identity is about changing the answers that Alice gave to the Cheshire Cat's question. But underneath, it's about doing the outer and inner work that Alice needs to do. And the outer work is the straightforward stuff, like figuring out how to do a job transfer. But the inner work is about Alice knowing that they're good enough to be able to fight those fires. So this is really important. I want to be clear that I'm not saying that Alice has more work to do in order to be good enough. I'm saying that Alice has work to do to reframe their identity in terms of their thinking of themselves. And specifically, the reframe that needs to occur is a shift from a place where Alice is filled with self-doubt to one where Alice's center is an absolute assuredness that they're good enough. So the question is, where does the idea come from that we're not good enough? Well, it comes from the ego. You see, the ego only sees itself in comparisons, meaning it only knows how to be better than or worse than or how to fight to protect its sense of self. And that's how it teaches us to operate in the world around us and how it teaches us to operate within ourselves meaning that it makes us turn against ourselves. So as a result, we always see ourselves in these comparison contrasts. I should be this, I should be that, I should have done this, I shouldn't have done that. And so-called self-improvement or more good, less bad on the way to enlightenment, it becomes a breeze when you're no longer fighting against yourself. And the way to get there is first by creating space between you and your ego. And second, by developing your relationship with something called your Yehida self. You see, both the ego and your Yehida self are parts of your identity. And we want to create space with our ego. And we want to strengthen the relationship with our Yehida self. So how do we do that? How do we create space from our ego? And how do we strengthen the relationship with our Yehida self? Well, let's tackle the ego first. So the ego, how do we create space? Well, there's this thing that happens when we're like Alice working on changing our answers to the Cheshire Cat's question. Remember, our ego-based identity is the story that we tell ourselves about who we are. Like when Alice says, I'm a partnered mother researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. But then Alice says that they want to fight a different kind of fire, which is essentially changing their answers to the Cheshire Cat's question. And so it's when we start changing answers that we start to have this realization and that is that we're changing our ego-based storyline, but that who we are fundamentally is staying the same. So there's this aha moment. And that aha is I keep changing my answers to the Cheshire Cat's question and I don't change. Aha, I'm different, but I'm not a different person. Fundamentally, who I am remains the same. My sense of who I am might be a little augmented, a little shinier, or a little more forest fire than city fire. But Alice's sense of who Alice is fundamentally 
it's the same. And so we can use that aha to start to create some space between us and our ego-based storyline. I actually created a program called Experiencing Enlightenment. It's a series of guided exercises that walk folks through this process of creating space between you and your ego. The exercises are about exploring different answers to the Cheshire Cat's question. It was designed to take folks all the way to enlightenment, but it makes creating space between you and your ego a breeze. Increasing space between you and your ego is basically unavoidable from doing these exercises. And they're really simple. So if you're interested, check it out. There are links below. So the Experiencing Enlightenment program will help create space between you and your ego. But the inner work still requires an absolute assuredness. So the next question is, well, where does this absolute assuredness come from? And like I mentioned, that absolute assuredness comes from our Yehida self. So Yehida is an ancient secret from Kabbalistic Jewish mysticism. And the basic idea is that a part of you, a part of your soul is rooted in the creator. Literally. Pause for a moment to consider just what an amazing idea this is. The idea that your soul is actually rooted in God. A super simple one sentence summary for your Yahida self is that your Yahida self, it's your true self. And your true self, the part of you rooted in the creator, it has a voice. And that voice is called the Yehida script. And this means that there is a voice within you that is available to you right now. That is the voice of your true self. So y'all know most of the time we're living according to our ego-based storyline. And our ego-based storyline includes all the stories that we tell ourselves about who we are, like I'm a doctor or I'm a lawyer, and the stories we tell ourselves about what we're thinking or how we're feeling, that I'm uncomfortable or I'm tired or I'm sad. And the ego worries a lot about what others think and about not being as good as others. Because the ego only sees itself in comparisons meaning it only knows how to be better than or worse than or how to fight to protect its sense of itself. And that's how it teaches us to operate within the world around us. And it's also how it teaches us to operate within ourselves, meaning that it makes us turn against ourselves. So as a result, we're always comparing ourselves to others or seeing ourselves in these self-comparison contrasts. I should be this, I should be that, I should have done this, I shouldn't have done that. But our Yehida self, our true self, the part of us that's rooted in God, that part of us is not worried about whether it's as good as others, and it's not worried about what others think. And our Yehida self does have its own storyline, but entirely separate from the ego. And that storyline is the story about you that's told by the part of you that's actually rooted in God. 
And what that means is that the Yahida script is your storyline, but from the part of you that knows exactly who you are and exactly what you're here to do. And so when we tap into our Yahida self, we transform from orienting from a place of ego where we're living in these comparison contrasts, worried about what others think and whether we're good enough. And instead, when we revolve around our Yahida self, we revolve around a center of absolute assuredness that we're good enough. And we know exactly who we are and exactly what we're here to do. There truly is no greater way to self-improvement or more good, less bad along the way to enlightenment than developing your relationship with your Yahida self. So how do we do that? How do we strengthen a relationship with our Yahida self? Okay, you see, our Yahida self, it's the part of us that knows exactly who we are and exactly what we're here to do. And it has a calm, strong voice. We just can't hear it over the ego. The ego makes a lot of noise and is basically constantly clamoring for our attention. But as we create space with the ego, it naturally becomes easier to hear our Yahida self. In episode five of my podcast, I talked about what it looks like when you're orienting from a place where your Yahida self is at the center which is really about being who we really are and the fullness of our unique potential and what our lives look like when we orient from the place of knowing who we really are. So if you're interested, check that out. I've included a link below. But the heart of today's show was about self-improvement or more good and less bad along the way to enlightenment and how to make it a breeze. And the way to do that is by creating space between us and our ego, which naturally begins to develop our relationship with a part of us called the Yahida self. So super simple one sentence summary. We wanna create space from the ego because the ego is where the idea comes from that we're not good enough. And we want to develop the relationship with our Yahida self because our Yahida self is our true self. And it knows exactly who we are and exactly what we're here to do, which makes it the ultimate in self-improvement. And I also want to summarize the rest of today's show a little bit. So since both the ego and our Yahida self are a part of our identity, first I gave a little background on identity, which was the focus of the very first episode. So in the first episode, I mentioned that I did my master's at A&M, focused on identity, and that out of the hundreds of thousands of pages I've read on the nature of identity, the best way I've come up with to summarize it is that your identity is all the answers you can come up with to the Cheshire Cat's question to Alice in Alice in Wonderland. You remember that? And the Cheshire Cat asks Alice, who are you? And I suggested that grown-up Alice might say, oh, who are we? Well, we're a partnered mother researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. The takeaway being that all of those things, being a partner, a mother, a researcher, a part-time firefighter, and a stamp collector, are all a part of Alice's identity. That each one is a part of Alice's sense of self or what it means to Alice to be Alice. 
I also gave a little background in the first episode on some ways of thinking about identity from psychology, business, and spirituality. So from psychology, your identity, according to William James, a true founder of psychology, your identity is made up of the I and the me. And a super simple one-sentence summary of identity, according to James, is that identity is the collection of stories we tell ourselves about who we are. And then I talked about Eric Erickson, a more modern founder in psychology, who thought that identity is the result of a developmental process, and that we try on social roles until we find a sense of identity that's perfectly fitted for us. And social roles are Alice's list of being a partnered mother, researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. And so a super simple one-sentence summary of identity, according to Erickson, is basically that your identity is all the answers you can come up with to the Cheshire Cat's question, who are you? And then I mentioned personal brand, which is a way of thinking about identity from outside of psychology and more modern. And I said that personal brand is not so much the social roles you fill, like being a researcher or a stamp collector, but the personal style you bring when filling those roles. For instance, perhaps you value being kind And so being kind is a part of the personal style that you would bring when filling the social role of being a partner or a researcher or a stamp collector. And then I mentioned the ego, which is another way of thinking about identity. But the way that I'm describing it is more so the descriptions used when folks are talking about the ego in the spiritual landscape as opposed to psychology. Where in psychology, if you mention the ego, generally you're talking about Freud or the superego and the id and stuff like that. But for our purposes, when I say the ego, I'm referring to the personal I or the story that you tell yourself and others about who you are. Meaning when you say, I am this or I am that, like I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, that's your ego. The ego is the part of you that comes up with that story. So that's a little summary of the background on ways I described today about how to think about identity from psychology, business, and spirituality, and a little bit about the ego. And that was all the background that we needed for today on identity. But we also needed a little background about reframing identity. Okay, so reframing our identity Super simple one sentence summary, reframing our identity just meant changing our answers to the Cheshire Cat's question. So the Cheshire Cat asks Alice, who are you? And we imagine that grown up Alice answers describing themselves in terms of a bunch of social roles. I'm a partnered mother, researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. So on the surface, reframing identity is about changing the answers that Alice gave to the Cheshire Cat's question. But underneath, it's about doing the outer and inner work that Alice needs to do. Alice said they knew they wanted to fight a different type of fire. So the outer work is the straightforward stuff, like figuring out how to do the job transfer. But the inner work is about Alice knowing that they're good enough to be able to fight the types of fires that Alice really wants to fight. And then I talked about how that inner work turns out to be a little more complicated because of our ego and how the ego only sees itself in comparisons, 
meaning it only knows how to be better than or worse than or how to fight to protect its sense of itself. And that's how it teaches us to operate in the world. And it's also how it teaches us to operate within ourselves, meaning that it makes us turn against ourselves. So as a result, we always see ourselves in these self-comparison contrasts. I should be this, I should be that, I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have done that. And so the upshot is that when we're aligned with our ego, knowing that we're good enough, it is impossible. And so then I talked about how we can begin to create space between us and our ego and how we can develop the relationship with another part of our identity, the Yehida self, which is our true self. And I said that there's this thing that happens when we're like Alice working on changing our answers to the Cheshire Cat's question. Because remember, our ego-based identity is the story we tell ourselves about who we are. Like when Alice says, I'm a partnered mother researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. But then Alice says that they wanted to fight a different kind of fire, which is essentially changing their answers to the Cheshire Cat's question. And so it's when we start changing answers that we start to have this realization that we're changing our ego-based storyline, but that who we are fundamentally is staying the same. So there's this aha moment of we keep changing the answers to the Cheshire Cat's question, but we don't change. Aha, uh -huh. I'm different, but I'm not a different person. Fundamentally, who I am remains the same. Now, my sense of who I am might be a little augmented, a little shinier, a little more forest fire than city fire. But Alice's sense of who Alice is fundamentally, it's the same. And then I shared that I actually created a program called Experiencing Enlightenment. It's a series of guided exercises that walk folks through this process of creating space between you and your ego. The exercises are about exploring different answers to the Cheshire Cat's question. It was designed to take folks all the way to enlightenment, but it makes creating space between you and your ego a breeze. Increasing space between you and your ego is basically unavoidable from doing these exercises. And they're really simple. So if you're interested, check it out. There are links below. So the Experiencing Enlightenment program will help create space between you and your ego. But then we talked about how the inner work still requires an absolute assuredness that we're good enough. And so the next question was, well, where does this absolute assuredness come from? And I explained that it comes from our Yehida self. And Yehida is an ancient secret from Kabbalistic Jewish mysticism. And the basic idea is that a part of you, a part of your soul, is rooted in the creator, literally, which I think is amazing. A super simple one-sentence summary for your Yehida self is that your Yehida self is your true self. And your true self, the part of you that's rooted in the creator, it has a voice. And that voice is called the Yehida script. And this means that there is a voice within you that is available to you right now 
that is the voice of your true self. So most of the time we're living according to our ego-based storyline, which includes all the stories we tell ourselves about who we are, like I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, and the stories we tell ourselves about what we're thinking and how we're feeling, like I'm uncomfortable or I'm tired or I'm sad. And the ego worries a lot about what others think and about not being as good as others because the ego only sees itself in comparisons, meaning it only knows how to be better than or worse than or how to fight to protect its sense of itself. And that's how it teaches us to operate with the world around us. But it's also how it teaches us to operate within ourselves, meaning that it makes us turn against ourselves. So as a result, we always see ourselves in these self-comparison contrasts. I should be this. I should be that. I should have done, shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. But our Yahida self, our true self, the part of us that's rooted in God, that part of us is not worried about whether it's as good as others. It's not worried about what others think. And our Yahida self does have its own storyline, but entirely separate from the ego. And that storyline is the story about you that's told by the part of you that's actually rooted in God. And what that means is that the Yehida script is your storyline, but from the part of you that knows exactly who you are and exactly what you're here to do. And so when we tap into our Yehida self, we transform from orienting from a place of ego where we're living in these comparison contrasts, worried about what others think and whether we're good enough. And instead, when we revolve around our Yahida self, we revolve around a center of an absolute assuredness that we're good enough. And we know exactly who we are and exactly what we're here to do. There truly is no greater way to self-improvement or more good and less bad along the way to enlightenment than developing your relationship with your Yehida self. And that was what we talked about today. Thank you for being here today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're curious, you can learn more about me and sign up for my newsletter at katetbenson.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kate T. Benson and subscribe on YouTube. There is also a developing Kate T. Benson community on Facebook. Also, I accept and am so very grateful for my listeners' support. If you're able, you can support the show. There are links on my website in the product pages. Thank you so much for your time. I see you. I appreciate you. Until next time. Namaste.